reaching across the country for the biggest sports news this weekend. From Atlanta to Seattle, from Boston to LA, this is Big Sports Radio. Big Sports Radio is here. We've got uh, our basketball shorts on and our knee highs as well. Uh, and our Chuck Taylors <laughs> coming to you. <laughs> and we look ridiculous. Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, Brad Sturdy, uh, Joshua is uh, over here. Joshua Ewing's over here on Ray, on audio for us as well. Uh, guys, well, we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk with uh, Doug Eldridge here later on in the hour. He's the sports agent and publicist out of D.C. Friend of the show. He's been on before and talk about uh, kind of the finances here. The coach's carousel, who is going where? And uh, we'll break that down. Also, what happens in Texas? That's kind of the wild card right now. We'll talk a lot about that. Uh, lots coming up uh, as well. Uh, baseball, money, you name it. But guys, we start, of course, NCAA. Uh, we're looking ahead now to the weekend and the Elite Eight. But first, before we do and get into all that, how about the the, the weekend last weekend and, and, and what we had here? Just thrilling. Anytime you get a, a, a tournament, we have a 15 and a 16 seed both win. Um, their opening round games never happened before. It's already a, a tournament for the ages. Oh, it's it's great. I mean, I, this is what it's all. This is why it's March Madness. I mean, this is why we wait all year. It's too bad we only have this one month a year. Yeah. I think they should have a preseason. They should, we should have November Madness first and have a tournament. And then we should have March Madness, too. And just <laughs> let everybody in the November tournament. And then we'll have March tournament, too. Just for fun, because this is awesome. I want to do this more than one month a year. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's it's interesting. You know, the NBA is going to all sorts of new ideas and stuff. Maybe college basketball needs to look at something as well, because this has been been really uh, well played. We've seen, you know, the, the Giants go down and then you've seen two teams that were, you know, number one seeds that are playing like a number one seed in Houston and Alabama. So you've seen all sides of of the the you know both sides of the coin so to speak it's been an exciting uh, one and and I'll tip my hat you know it's been well officiated um and and I even think the broadcasters are really on it you know that you don't run into some of the guys that you might run into during the college season well it's been outstanding i mean certainly we are seeing the best of the best which i think you're right that's what we deserve in march and these teams have worked so hard uh, since October, they deserve the very best. Love Brad's idea, though. You know, you get all of the the cupcakes early and the teams playing money games and all that. What if you did do some kind of just a, you know, there are no rankings, right? You come in and you're seated at a certain spot. It'll still be ridiculous because you're going to have, you know, the big four, no matter what they did last year, are going to be your number one seeds just because it's just the way they do things. Um, but it be, would be fun to kind of go through and kind of break down, have some games. And then what, around the end of the month, uh, you have the final, the holiday final four. That would then rival all the football stuff you have around that time. And then you get into the season. You already have a few games under your belt. And then you rank teams. I like that. Brad, we need to make you commissioner. We need to have you take over the NCAA. I, I'd want to be called King, though, instead of commissioner. Okay. I just want to be King Brad. King of Wishful We'll just Thinking. go with that. Yeah. Instead of, King of the, instead of the WWE's King of the Ring, Brad would be the King of the Court. King of the court, right? I like it. There was the king and his court, and now I'm the king of the court. Of the court. That's, yes. right. That's right. I like it. Let's do it. Those Let's you, do it. Those you I, get know. It? I was going to say king of the hardwood, but then I thought, that ah, maybe court's better. Yeah. <laughs> those of you who don't know, Brad Sturdy is a your softball Hall of Famer, right? 
Something like that. That's what they tell me anyway. I don't know. Now hey. I'm old. Never just hurts to do everything. So he's I don't being, know. He's being modest, but let don't 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 let the modesty fool you. This guy was a stud, <laughs> and if it weren't for the knees, I guess still would be right. Well, knees, ankles, elbows, shoulders. <laughs> so yeah, we are uh, March Madness, and we'll get uh, into talking a lot about that. Um, to your point, you know, we were we're going to talk with Doug Aldridge here in a minute, and. You know, kind of when remember the time back, I remember when we were in high school um, that it was it was you only got one game at a time. Right. ESPN. And until you got to the weekend and CBS, I mean, ESPN would come on Thursday. They'd run games all day long, Thursday, all day long, Friday. But you had just the one game and to wait for the updates, not even a ticker at the bottom. Love now the technology that you can sit in and really keep track of four games at once. Uh, all right there on your TVs. Oh, this life living the dream is the it's dream. Tough. We got picture in picture. We can oh flip back and forth. Let's go. Oh, this game's back on. I mean, it's the greatest thing. I mean, I'm I'm spoiled. I, I love it. I got my TV and just, you know, as we do this radio show, there's a TV in the background so I can watch highlights. Yeah, it's I'll tell there. you, I, what I do wish, though, is on Saturday and Sunday of the first weekend, they have a couple games usually that are on CBS by themselves. And I realize CBS wants the ratings, but I wish they would readjust. Um, as you know, after the games on Thursday and Friday, and maybe put some some higher profile teams in those two first games, but that's that's just me, you know. I, I, here's the sad irony: is that they actually do that. Oh wow! They they okay. actually they will wait till the games are over and then decide the order they're going to go in. So what you're saying is, I disagree with those the guys. Programmer. They, can't, they can't program for blank. That's what you're, that's what you're saying. I'm a better wrestling booker, apparently, than I am college basketball um, planner. Well, that's why I'm king of the court and you're king of the ring. Ring. Yes. Yeah. King of the remote. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the pizza. So, yeah. Everything. Lou Malnati is this evening, folks. There you college go. College basketball is spectacular with a frozen Lou Malnati's delivered earlier in the day. You're killing me. All right, listen, we're going to talk a lot about uh, uh, everything going on here with, uh, with basketball. Um, also, <laughs> uh, Big Ten is, unfortunately, they are out. No Big Ten teams in the Elite Eight. We'll talk uh, next about uh, Michigan State's close but no call. Um, what a game, and I'm not sure really if anybody could have stopped uh, that point guard from Kansas State. We'll talk about him and much more. This is Big Sports Radio. Stay here. Are you tired of your website making your business look bad? Is your current web developer dropping the ball? Let's face it, if your website isn't making you money, it's broken. Let Neon Rain create a website that turns your visitors into customers. Neon Rain has worked with hundreds of businesses across North America, building custom websites and applications with modern designs that are easy to update and work well on mobile devices. They can do it for you too. What sets Neon Rain apart? They actually deliver on their promises. Call today for a free consultation, 303-957-3092. That's Neon Rain at 303-957-3092. Or visit them at neonrain.com. Larry, Mike, and Brad right back here on Big Sports Radio. Um, you know, there were eight teams that went into um, the the NCAA tournament from the Big Ten. Brad, you had a great point as we were all kind of texting back and forth Sunday, Sunday night 
um, as we saw uh, Indiana going down. Um, I made a comment that it was a disappointing weekend for the Big Ten, that only one of their eight teams moved on. But you had a great point in saying that, yeah, but only two of those teams actually were seeded to reach the Sweet 16. That's a fair point. It's a fair argument. Yeah, and one of the team, the team that made it was seated. So it was kind of, you know, disappointing. And you look at Purdue and Indiana, but I think the rest of the teams acquitted themselves well. Um, you know, Purdue just that that just really is such a big loss when you lose a 16. That's a that's a tough one to watch as a big if you're a Big Ten fan. Uh, it was exciting, but I mean that just kind of goes if I think that was indicative of the entire thing. If Purdue wins two games, makes a sweet 16, and then loses, nobody really probably thinks about it. But it's a big story now. And it, the Big Ten needs to win some games in March moving forward. Win some games in what month? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I think um, Michigan State acquitted themselves well. And if I'm not certain how many 19-win um, teams get a seven seed, but when you have Tom Izzo's resume – that can help you bump up a little bit. Um, I thought them in Kentucky maybe were had a higher seed than they should have got. Um, but ultimately, they got the wins. And and really, if it wasn't for that incredible performance, um, you know, against them, um, you know, with a, a record, I don't know, what was it, 19 assists, I think, that that Noel had. I mean, that was just – that was incredible. And you, you could make a case that without that type of stellar performance – you know, Michigan would have made it into the Elite Eight and had a really good, you know, fighting chance at the Final Four. Yeah, 99-94, the final in overtime. Michigan State coming up big uh, late to tie this game. They were the underdog, seven-seed versus three-seeded uh, Kansas State. Um, but, you know, you're, you're exactly right that, uh, you know, I think that that's, again, why just what makes um, March so special is that you get this kid like Noel uh, or Noel, I'm not sure. I forget how you pronounce his name, but I mean, you know, even my wife was going crazy, right? She was like, "Okay, this guy's got to go to the NBA, right?" I'm like, "We five foot eight, maybe." Wink, wink. I mean, that's I'm not sure that's going to happen because, yeah, maybe he can score on you, but who's he going to defend? That's just not going to happen. But in the college game and in March, this guy becomes, um, you know, a, a part of of history. Not just the the 19 assists, but the way that he did it, you know. And of course, the alley oop they kept showing over and over again, where he's like arguing with his coach on what play call. And while they're arguing, looking over, he does a no-look half-court alley-oop pass to the you know streaking Johnson behind the defense for the alley-oop layup. I mean, just street ball at its finest. Oh, it's he's New York point guard, right? I mean, just Har- from Harlem, that's where that's playing on the you know on the playground, and he became he just has that kind of knack. Here's the crazy thing about him, and I don't think people realize this about him. You know, think oh, he's Kansas State kid. This guy started out at Arkansas Little Rock. And he was a high usage chucker. Um, he made some nice passes. No, he's a good passer. Don't get me wrong, but he turned it over. He um, didn't shoot very well. In one year, he shot thirty three percent from the floor, literally, um, at Arkansas Little Rock. And now here's this guy playing his team, leading his team into the um, Elite Eight. It's just, it's amazing the story of where he's come from and how far he's come as a player. Um, and so when you see him maybe take a couple of wild shots, you have to realize he probably took a lot of wild shots a couple of years ago. So he's making progress. <laughs> yeah, he was, and he was so fun to watch. I thought what was amazing is he came came back into the game after his sprained ankle, and his first shot was one that he's got to kind of 
dip down to get the ball. The, the, the shot clock is running out. He shoots a one-handed runner going away from the basket at close to the three-point line. I mean, and, and it banks in, you know, and, and I kind of thought at that moment, I'm like, maybe this is just K-State's night and, and the fate is, is going with you. But you think about it, that shot doesn't go in. They don't go into overtime. And we're talking about Tom Izzo going to the 10 millionth elite eight. So, you know, and, and of course, poor Izzo's like, you know, I don't get any breaks, you know, well, <laughs> there, there you go. But um, it was, it was a really fun game to watch and it wasn't interrupted by a lot of whistles that the players were allowed to um, determine who the winner was. Great game. It, it was thrilling, you know, and to that end, so Michigan State, look, as Brad mentioned, they were the seventh seed. They're expected to lose in the second round. Uh, they knock out Marquette, who just had a f- fantastic season in their second year under Shaka Smart. Um, for Michigan State, nothing to lose. Where do the Spartans go from here next year? Well, they have the number one recruiting class in the country coming in, plus virtually everyone returning. I think Tom Izzo will be okay. I think he'll do okay. <laughs> yes, let's let's not uh... – for Big Ten fans, let's not bury Tom Izzo yet again uh, as a coach because he seems to get strength from that. And the last thing you want is to give him extra strength with the recruiting class that he's got coming in because he's got some studs and that team is going to be the Big Ten favorite next year. They just they He just keeps on winning up there. It's amazing. Like we, we said before, uh, no matter what, Michigan State does during the season. They are always a dangerous team come March. Even though they didn't get to the promised land, didn't get to the Final Four or national title, they were still right there. Great to see also some members of the 2000 National Championship team, uh, Mateen Cleaves and some other guys uh, there. I thought I saw Isaiah Thomas there too, not cheering as loudly, but it seemed like he was also. He was, yes. Uh, yeah, the Indiana, great. Uh, Indiana. And, and Kirk Gibson, right? Yeah, the- exactly. Or a baseball and football star. Yes, exactly. Uh, Sparty, nice run. We will see you next year. We know, as Mike said, they'll be a contender again. Uh, Keep it right here. We'll talk about uh, some of the coaches uh, on the move. Rick Pitino, the guy who replaced him, who you had never heard of 10 days ago, uh, Mm -hmm. and much more. Stay with us. It's Big Sports Radio. If you served in the Marine Corps, by now you know about the contaminated water problem at Camp Lejeune. If you were stationed or worked at Camp Lejeune from 1953 to 1987, you probably have a lot of questions. We have some answers. You could be entitled to compensation. Billions of dollars are being allocated to pay for damages to anyone stationed at Camp Lejeune during that time. Unfortunately, it appears that officials may have known the contaminated water problem existed and did little to protect their men. The Semper Fi Code was not honored. If you or someone in your family has developed a serious illness, including various forms of cancer, call this Camp Lejeune legal support line right now. You can't turn back the clock and change what happened, but you can certainly call right now and learn your rights as a Marine. Here's the number. Call 800-363-7934. 800-363-7934. That's 800-363-7934. Paid for by Legal Alert Line. If you're a diabetic, we have great news. You can end the painful finger sticks with a new CGM. Plus, they may be covered by Medicare, Medicaid, or private insurance. If you test and inject daily, you may qualify. Call U.S. Med now to learn more. 800-390-5160-800-390-5160-800-390-5160. That's 800-390-5160. 
Now back to the studio and the guys from Big Sports Radio. Well, one thing is we talk about uh, March Madness NCAA tournament uh, getting down to the final four next weekend. Um, the coaches, and this is always a time that, you know, NFL has Black Monday, right? Like the day after the regular season ends, you have all the changes. Um, it's been fast and furious this week, starting off with Rick Pitino. Look, poorly kept secret. I think we all knew that he was on his way out of Iona when he uh, went in and convinced them to get rid of the $5 million buyout and take it all the way down to $0 million buyout. So, <laughs> you know. Uh, no surprise, Iona in the tournament, uh, they're bounced in game one, and already he is on his way to St. John's to return to the Big East as coach of the Red Storm. Yeah, it was a, it's a, and it's a great fit, isn't it? I mean, back on the East Coast in New York, you know, and you notice he's already on Twitter politicking, talking about, well, this great, this great game at Madison Square Garden. Just think, people could play all of their games here. Uh, so yeah, he's uh, yeah he's definitely working it already. But yeah, it doesn't surprise me. He's one of the best coaches in uh, college basketball over the past you know uh, thirty years, and so he deserves you know he deserves this job. Nurse shot. He's kind of done his redemption tour. Iona he did a great job there. I would be shocked if within the next five years, St. John's isn't a player to make uh, a run in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, especially when he's going to re- return them to their heights that they had been to in the past. People don't remember Lou Carnesecca, but, you know, you had Chris Mullen, Walter Berry, Mark Jackson, Malik Seeley, you know, the 80s and early 90s. That was such an exciting program. And as good a coach as Lou Carnesecca is, I think Rick Pitino could arguably be the best of his generation. He simply has won everywhere, and and the coaching tree he's produced is impressive as well, um, what he's done. I read somewhere, I think, that the St. John's campus is only about 20 minutes from his house where he has lived uh, for the past three years as Iona's coach. So uh, how about that? You get a, a giant raise <laughs> up into the you know multiple millions of dollars a year, right, without even having to move. So everyone's got to be happy and, and good for him. And I think that it gives the Big East a shot. You lose a marquee coach like Jay Wright a year ago at Villanova, uh, you gain one now in Rick Pitino, and that's just exciting. Um, the other big move in the in the the Big East is 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 Georgetown. Uh, they say goodbye to Patrick Ewing. Look, we love Patrick. Didn't get it done. He's a he's a legend, but he's out. Ed Cooley coming in from Providence. I think this also is a tremendous hire for the Hoyas. Yeah, I, I think so. I think it's really a good fit. I think you know Cooley obviously thought he has a better chance to win at Georgetown than he did at Providence, and that's why he made the switch. It's not a huge. There's a little bit more money, but not a ton more money. It's more about the, the opportunity to win. And, and he's been at Providence. He did his time for 12 years. He made them competitive. And now uh, the only thing that, that is bad is because now you you leave an in-conference move. Always creates some animosity from both sides. So this should be – this should be it'll make a fun little rivalry going forward. Yeah, and that's why they call it a rivalry. So let's, let's spice that up a little bit. And, again, going back to – the greatest hits of the 80s, but John Thompson had what was arguably the most feared team in the country with that 1-3-1 defense, and they played with no holds barred. They were unbelievably fun team to watch in the Patrick Ewing era, um, and, and his son came in and held down the fort for a while. I think, you know, uh, having Georgetown playing well and then a Georgetown St. John's battle all of a sudden becomes like a marquee matchup. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm actually kind of excited by it. Yeah, this is great. Meanwhile, uh, Kim English, Kim English leaves George Mason 
to go to Providence and replace Cooley. Uh, another name on the move, Penn State's Micah Shrewsbury. Brad, I know you really love him, the former Purdue assistant. What a job he did with Penn State, and what a good time to leave because he's got a complete roster overhaul facing him in State College. That's now somebody else's problem. Uh, he goes to Notre Dame um, and to replace uh, Mike Bray, who stepped down after so many years uh, over the Irish. Yeah, it's a good fit for him. Micah, of course, is from Indianapolis area, went to Cathedral High School. Now he's he's been at Purdue, you know, and, and so this is a guy who knows the state extremely well of Indiana. And now he's at Notre Dame, and he's got a chance to bring that program back. Mike Bray did a pretty good job. It's just over the last, like, you know, seven or eight years, it just hasn't been the same at Notre Dame, right? Since really since the Demetrius Jackson era, it's just kind of fallen on some hard times. And now you bring in a guy who's hot. He's a great offensive mind. I think he's fantastic. And so I think Shrew's going to do well. I think he's you'll see him. He made Penn State good quickly through the portal. And you'll see him do that at Notre Dame, too. I think he can go into the portal and grab some guys, and uh, you're ready to go. You know what? You want to hear a funny one? I get a text message. This is a funny story. I get a text message. Um, it was like, I think it was Wednesday evening. Hey, I'm sitting here with, uh, with so-and-so's uncle. He wants to know if he had an offer to Penn State if it still counts for Notre Dame. <laughs> and it's like, now because Shrewsbury's at Notre Dame. I said, well, it doesn't work that way. Uh, you you need to, you need to you know reach out to him and talk to him. So this is it's just funny how the how it all plays out, right? That's you could have just you could have just told him yes and then let the watch the fur fight. You know, <laughs> sort of start flying. Buster Sturdy said it counted. You are heartless. Who's, you are heartless. Who's, who's, who's Sturdy? <laughs> well, you know, uh, with, with Shrewsbury, here's the thing that's really cool about him. He's won without much NIL war chest and certainly Purdue, you know, he proved he can find diamonds in the rough. I'm a little bit scared of what he could do at Notre Dame because he's a fantastic coach. He develops talent. He identifies talent before he develops it. Um, That might be something that I'm not going to enjoy as an anti Notre Dame fan. Uh, nor the ACC because um, they haven't done much in the past uh, three or four years up there. And now they've got a coach that maybe can, can turn things around possibly. So great job there for uh, Micah Shrewsbury. Meanwhile, heading uh, up to South Bend. Um, one name we do want to get in um, a couple of coaches here that maybe aren't household names yet. Uh, Tobin Anderson, a head coach at Fairleigh Dickinson, uh, the Knights. And of course uh, the great breakthrough win, a 16 seed topples, uh, top seed Purdue. Um, he gets a windfall. Now he goes from FTU to Iona to replace Rick Pitino. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people say, well, he just, you know, he did it one year. No, it's not. He shouldn't get this job. But here's the reality. He was a runner-up last time. He's been highly successful at the Division II level before this. So this isn't a guy who's, like, new to the coaching re- one-year wonder. So I, I do think that he deserved this job. He was, you know, right there. And obviously they're going to hire Rick Pitino, Pitino over him last time. But, uh, you know, it, it's a, it's good. It's, it's fun. I think this is what it's all about for coaches moving up the ladder. Well, and the bottom line is for fans who don't understand this, if you don't strike while the iron's hot, it's so competitive that you might put yourself five years behind the time. For example, you know, Chris Collins probably could have got a number of jobs the last time Northwestern went to the NCAA and he chose to stay there, had some rough years and then under Boo Booey, and company had a really good year this year and one wonders you know if he if he can get everybody back together next year with covid years 
But if he misses his shot, it could be five years before his name comes up on lists again. So I can't believe I can't blame coach for doing that. Yeah. And speaking of that brings us to the other name out there that uh, we're really anxious to see what's going to happen. Talk about parlaying an opportunity. Uh, Rodney Terry of Texas takes over for Chris Beard, keeps the ship uh, righted, right? Keeps him into the top 10 most of the year, a two seed uh, into the, the final week or the, uh, the, the second weekend, I should say, of the tournament. Texas doesn't want him, it appears. And so now, guys, Penn State and Cal are looking at Terry. And, and why not? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. He's done a fantastic job. Here's the deal. Texas wants a big – they always want a bigger name than than Rodney Terry at this point. They, that's the way Texas is. They want the big name. And, and so no matter what he does, I think short of going to the Final Four, he may get replaced, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. This guy won the – you know, wins the Big 12 tournament. He's a two seed in the NCAA. And they're, you know, he's in a tough region. So if they don't make the Final Four, it shouldn't be a shock. But if they do, you know, that's, uh, that, that's, I don't know. I don't know how you get rid of a guy who just made the Final Four. He's, it's almost like Steve Fisher um, in Michigan back in, you know, what, 89, right? I mean, so you're looking at him saying, well, we're not going to hire him unless somehow he wins the national title. Well, he did. So he got hired, right? Yeah, and and I look at this, and I think that coaches evolve as they learn, and each job gets usually a little bit bigger in responsibility. So he had an excellent career, um, you know, going at Fresno State, got a little sidestepped at UTEP, and now he's at Texas, and, you know, the Texas folks are letting the UTEP performance rule the day. And it's a good thing that, um, you know, up in New England, when Bill Belichick got hired, they didn't get too concerned about, you know, his uh, performance at the Cleveland Browns. Um, you know, I think I think you're expecting somebody to get better and not the finished product. So I don't know how you don't retain him. No question. Hey, still to come, we've got more college basketball to talk about, including the coach who may be trying to talk his way out of a job. That's next. Keep it here. You're listening to the Big Sports Radio Network with Larry Smith. Mike Kegley and Brad Sturdy. Well, uh, we are look, looking ahead now to uh, Saturday's games as we're getting ready for the Elite Eight and looking to see who's going to be in the Final Four. Uh, FAU, the nine seed, incredible. Three seed K-State, both uh, incredible victories. And then also four seed UConn, three seed Gonzaga uh, in the other matchup on Saturday. Let's start with that FAU-K-State game. Um, you know, just when you think there isn't a more exciting player uh, then Marcus Knoll, the, the, the all big 12, five foot eight, wink, wink point guard for the, for the Wildcats. Here comes FAU and a team that had never won an NCAA tournament before. And yet they're three and zero in this tournament, nine seed. And here they are on the brink of, um, you know, becoming the, the latest George Mason. Yeah, they have, they're really good guys. I mean, I, I know that, you know, they're not a big name, but they are really good. They have 34 wins this they're 34 and three. Wow. They are very good uh, defensively. They score the ball well. They're quick. They're going to shoot the ball from three. Um, you know, they they shoot as a team thirty almost thirty seven percent from three, and they take forty four percent of their shots from behind the arc. This is a team that really wants to 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 play, and this is going to be fun because you know Noel Marcus Marquis Noel is like quick, right? These FAU guards are lightning quick as well. I am so excited to watch these guys go at it. It's going to be up and down, I think, um, you know, at, at times. People getting up and down the court. And you. I think FAU also saw that 
Kansas State transition defense was a little shaky against Michigan State, so they're going to want to push the ball. And so this could, this could be a lot of fun. Yeah, and I, I think the interesting thing is, is, is you know, Dickinson, you know, winning, you know, is, is it's improbable. But if you would have told me they're going to hold Purdue to 58 points and they're going to hold Tennessee to 55 points, I would have told you you're absolutely crazy. And their defense has been amazing. This is this is a matchup that is going to be entertaining. It's going to be fast. And I, I really think it's it's going to be one of those must-watch uh, games uh, of the season. I do, too. Florida Atlantic, uh, the Owls, Kansas State, the Wildcats in this one, nine seed versus three seed. And I, I want to talk about this, get your thoughts on this before we look at the other game on Saturday. Um, what a testament in terms of, and this is where I think makes March great, is that you don't have this, and we've discussed this before, you know, at other parts of the show and in previous weeks, you just, you don't have this in, in other sports. And I think that's what makes this so impressive that you've, you've got a, you know, a young coach in May. Um, I was a manager under Bobby Knight in his Indiana days. He was an assistant uh, at Florida uh, under Mike White. And now here he is and taking a school that has zero basketball history. Uh, I think they still play like at a small gym down there in Boca Raton. And yet here they are at the other side, Kansas state picked last by the media, right? I mean, he had only a couple of holdovers from Bruce Weber when he left and here comes Jerome Tang, uh, former, you know, Baylor, uh, Scott drew disciple. And it just goes to show how literally, you know, we talk about football, how anybody, when camp opens, any of the 32 teams can win. It just depends on how the ball bounces, you know, that, that year for them. It's like that in, in college basketball in, in some ways as well, in terms of if you get the right coach and the right mix of guys, you buy into your system and you get hot at the right time in March, anything's possible. Look at all the, the big name teams that were in the top 10, top 20 all season long, nowhere to be found. One of these two teams is headed to the final four. Yeah, it's great. I mean, that's what makes it fun. And you know what's, what else is fun is like guys who come out of nowhere. You know, you mentioned the, the Bruce Weber guys still holdovers for K-State. What a great story this is. Marquise Noel and Ismail Massoud, who has had a really rough year, goes four of six from three against Michigan State. So he can shoot. They have guys like Cam Carter stepping out who didn't shoot all year. And they, it was just, they're a great story. And then Keontae Johnson, of course, coming back from the uh, myocarditis, myocarditis two years ago, collapsing on the court, right? So now you've got all these great stories. And then there's Florida Atlantic on the other side, who is like, I mean, the storylines are just fantastic. I, I don't think you could ask for better storylines than what you have in this game. And I really, I'm really intrigued by the building of the roster. You know how you go into the portal and you get a team that that a bunch of individuals from from other schools that mesh with the players you have. They mesh together. You find a way to get your nil nil dollars in order so that you can uh, get this put together. I think it's fascinating the work of building a roster and doing it in such a, a short fashion. Um, I, I don't know if anybody could do it any better. Yeah, I, I completely agree. That is one game. The other game, um, let's Gonzaga's in. And I, I was saying during the week here that Gonzaga, they, they to me, if they can get past uh, UConn, they, they could be a dark horse in the final four. Here's a team that is, the media darling every year. They're a number one seed every year. They're picked to win it all every year. And it never happens. It's the one year 
nobody's talked about Gonzaga, right? Even on Selection Sunday, Duke was picked to be in more Final Fours than Gonzaga, a five seed. And a five seed's never, never, you know, only eight five seeds have ever reached the Final Four. But by God, let's put Duke in there. Here comes Gonzaga in a game they maybe they earned. I mean, they certainly, they looked terrible in the first half. It came back at UCLA. They get that win. And on the other side, UConn, uh, just destroying an Arkansas team that came in just, you know, uh, pretty bold after beating uh, top, knocking out top seed Kansas. Um, UConn trying to get to their third Final Four in the last 15 years under a third different coach. It's crazy. I mean, that's success, right? I mean, they they have a chance to, I really think they might be playing the best of anybody in the country right now. I mean, they, they started out the year, I think they were playing better than anyone else in December. And I think they're playing better than anyone else right now. That doesn't mean they're going to win, but they're just really hot right now. And Gonzaga, like you mentioned, it's the this is the year probably that of the last, I don't know, 10 years, probably the least like, likely team to win it all for Mark Few. So probably this is the team that will finally win it all for him. And the other cool thing about everybody who's left is going to be a new national champion coach. There are no repeat winners this year in college basketball um, with Tom Izzo losing. Nobody, le- and that means 15 out of the 16 in the Sweet 16 did not are not guys who haven't won the title before. So that's pretty, pretty. It's a changing of the guard. Yeah, and I think the the point that you made that I really stood out to me was this Gonzaga team doesn't on paper look to be as strong as some of Few's past teams, and so I think everybody but but that locker room kind of dismissed them as being a real contender for the national title now they still have to they still have to win you know and and beat some really good teams but i really think you know even even to some extent it looked like uh ucla kind of relaxed a little bit you know when they when they i think they thought they had it and um you know this is the type of team you can't fall asleep on despite the fact that it's not you know, maybe is is filled with stars as past Gonzaga teams. And, you know, we've talked so much about, you know, the the new era of uh, star coaches and superstar programs, and this could be the beginning of that. Um, of the eight teams remaining uh, with a shot at the Final Four, only UConn has ever won an NCAA title before, uh, of course, winning two under Jim Calhoun and then uh, under Kevin Ollie back in 2014. And now uh, Danny Hurley trying to get three more wins to get there as well. But again, we may have a brand new, never, ever before seen NCAA champion. Uh, here's to the new era in college basketball. We're back after this. Are you tired of your website making your business look bad? Is your current web developer dropping the ball? Let's face it, if your website isn't making you money, it's broken. Let Neon Rain create a website that turns your visitors into customers. Neon Rain has worked with hundreds of businesses across North America, building custom websites and applications with modern designs that are easy to update and work well on mobile devices. They can do it for you too. What sets Neon Rain apart? They actually deliver on their promises. Call today for a free consultation 303-957-3092 that's neon rain at 303-957-3092 or visit them at neonrain.com life can be full of risks one thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance if you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it 800-448-0828 800-448-0828 That's 800-448-0828 
Or back here uh, in this uh, middle of March Madness. And want to talk uh, kind of some dollars right now. So we go to our guy, friend of the show. He's been on before, uh, Doug Eldridge, sports agent and publicist out of Washington, D.C. Doug, good to talk to you again. Uh, my friend, it's always great to join you. Yeah, I appreciate that. I got to ask off the, off the top, how, how's your how's your bracket? Is it is it somewhat oh. still... Are Not you kidding me? It's 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 Miley Cyrus. It's a straight up wrecking ball. I mean, there's, there's nothing left of it. Short of short of Alabama, which was my pick from the jump. There you go. There you go. Exactly. I I went Kansas all the way. Uh, I had Virginia in my final four, Purdue in my elite eight. Um, but I think it's a good call, as you know. I do the dirty dozen every year, and you, do, uh, you know, uh, I think right now, if you you have to think of Alabama and as a dark horse, maybe Gonzaga, but. Um, I think Bama and, and you know, and it's one of those two that I don't know if you realize this, but there's been only one team that's never faced a top four seed all the way to the title game. The first time they, they five and oh to get to the championship without ever facing a, a top four seed. That was North Carolina back in 2005. Alabama mm-hmm. has a chance to do that this year. The way, wow. the, way the brackets fallen for them. And then sometimes the road rises up to meet you, huh? Exactly. <laughs> That's right. So, well, let's talk. I want to get into the Alabama situation here in a moment, but let's talk, you know, kind of, um, you know, the, the finances of this. And, uh, you know, we talked so much about football and, and you and I have talked about this even personally and even on the show. We've talked about in terms of um, the numbers and the dollars um, with football and all the things happening with the major TV contracts, which we know are football driven. Um, but this is the money time for for college basketball. And I, I don't think that people understand um, how much money is really into this. And it just keeps growing now. The Turner's a part of it. And and remember back in the day, you had to try to, one, there was a time you couldn't get all the games. And then two, there was a time when it was online and you might maybe get a few games if you were lucky and the stars were in alignment. But now it is, you can watch all four games at once. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. And, you know, in so many ways, that that's at least from an economic standpoint, that's why the the Supreme Court decision regarding collegiate athletes and the ability to earn money was so significant. And it's because at this level, we're not talking about the game of basketball or even the sport of basketball. It's the business of basketball. Yeah. And to your point, you know, last year the NCAA did 1.14 billion with a B in revenue. Now, roughly one billion of that 1.14 came from March Madness. That's so they'll do 873 million this year in TV rights. Now, you referenced the TV money a moment ago. Back in 2010, CBS and Turner they signed a 14-year deal. It was going to be, I believe, roughly 11 billion dollars, and was slated to run through next year, 2024. Well, six years into that, they inked an extension, an additional eight years for an additional 8.8, again, billion with a B, that'll run through 2032. I mention all that not to get bogged down in the numbers, but it's important to understand if we're talking about the business of basketball, (laughs) pound the alliteration, business of basketball with billions, the NCAA has always been a for-profit enterprise, irrespective of their nonprofit status at one right. point. And it was and it was the the athletes that were absolutely left searching for couch cushion change while the organization was was quite literally making billions of dollars each year. And so much so, so much so that a couple of years ago, 2020, remember that that Friday the 13th, when within a 48-hour period, everything was canceled. Right. March Madness was canceled. The NBA season was put on halt. Spring training was canceled. Everything. Right. 
the NCAA that year, canceling March Madness right before it started, they lost about a half a billion dollars mm. and finished the fiscal year $56 million in the hole. Think about that. For, for an institution that does you know north of a billion dollars each year in revenue, they wound up $56 million in the hole. All of that is a long but relevant way of saying March Madness is money for the NCAA. It's everything. It is everything. And it's funny that you, when you look at, you know, and I appreciate they're always trying to, again, pair teams getting close to, um, you know, their sites. And, and that's a good thing. It was, you know, the fans can get there, more fans can get there. But, you know, I know you noticed this too last week and in the, in the second round, there were a lot of empty seats there, you know, because some teams yeah. that were favored to advance maybe didn't. And those people just went home. And left empty seats, but the, but the money yeah. was still, so I mean the money. <laughs> well, the, it, it's also kind of a, 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 a seeming changing of the guard to to some extent. You didn't see a dominant year from North Carolina or Duke. My, you know, Michigan was in the NIT and got bounced early. Uh, you know, the the proverbial favorites that we're so accustomed to seeing, you know, just haven't really haven't had the footprint and the presence all year, much less you know deep throughout the tournament. And they always carry a huge fan base. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, that's you know that's. I think always been something that set the NCAA apart from say the NBA in that you have a chance for a proverbial David to make a run through a, a row of Goliaths and like, you know, like George Mason did been back in 2006 when they made the final four. I mean, and it ignites a fan base and, and it, you know, when you look at, and you know, this Larry is good as if not better than I do. When you look at the NFL or when you look at the NBA, the opportunity for a for a David, a lesser known, a small school from a from a, you know, mid-tier conference for them to make a run when the lights are the brightest and the dollars are the heaviest through the, the you know, the blue chip programs and put their university and their program on the map and showcase what the little guy literally and probably figuratively is capable of. You just don't see that at the professional level. Sure. In the seven game series or five game series, the favorite might drop a game or, or just, you know, come out flat. But you just don't see it like you do in the NCAA. I'm saying all that to say, yeah, there's empty seats, and and you know, the, 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 as an institution, NCAA probably hates that, right? However, there is some, there is a, a unique excitement associated with uh, with amateur air quotes uh, mm-hmm. sports that, that 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 really shines the opportunity for the small programs to to build their name and build their brand with it. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree, and and that I think that's why I'm I'm and we've discussed this too. I'm so thrilled there is a playoff coming in college football um yes. you know in in some shape or form it's taken us so long to get here because are we going to see a troy knock off a, a two-seed clemson and death valley probably not i mean we're still waiting for you know that you know that david to come in and win an ncaa championship right but we have seen them get to the title game we have seen butler that you know the run that got them eventually into the big east you know we've seen loyola we've seen as you mentioned george mason in 06 you get to the rca dome May it rest in peace back in 06. <laughs> and and you and you get there and and every single tent, there's only one school you can't find any merchandise, George Mason, because it was all sold out because it was such a novelty. We had never seen a double digit seed at that time get into um into the uh, the final four. Talking here with Doug Eldridge, uh, again, sports agent and, and publisher. Doug Eldridge, I'm sorry, sports agent publisher, uh publicist out of uh, Washington, DC. Um, you know, you bring up a good point as well in terms of who is not around. Uh only the second time since 1979. Both times in the, in the past three years that there's no Duke, there's no North Carolina, there's no Kentucky, there's no Kansas. 
uh, in, in the Sweet 16. And I think that, you know, it may be where, you know, again, we're missing some of those major uh, coaches, right? Krzyzewski's retired. William is retired. Bayheim just stepped down. Um, you know, Calipari's having issues in Kentucky. Self, there's rumors of possible retirement with his recent health issues. Um, it's a chance now for some of the other schools to step up and and to to be among the hierarchy of the sport. Um, how do you think that's going to change things? The Blue Bloods will always be the Blue Bloods, um, but it's 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 a chance now for some other fresh names to get into that uh, that space. You know, as you were saying that, I <clears throat> I couldn't help think of a Rubik's cube. You know, and I'm probably dating myself, but you know, the old Rubik's cube, the multicolored uh, cube, where you tried to turn the sides and line up so each side was all red, all blue, all yellow. And I'm 45 years old. I've still never solved a Rubik's cube. I don't know what that says about me. But I, <laughs> I think it does. And I see these YouTube videos of these guys doing it with one hand in like four seconds, and I just feel so inadequate. But the the, the point of the analogy is, you know, as as the college landscape changes, it's it's almost changing three dimensionally, like that Rubik's cube. You know, because you're seeing you're seeing the 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 changing of the guard in terms of iconic Hall of Fame coaches rotating out. Uh, and and leaving the legacy not only of, of their coaching resume, but but the banners that are hanging in the rafters. But that is a temporary situation, right? That 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 you know, yesterday's success is not guaranteed tomorrow's success. It guarantees tomorrow's opportunity. But once tomorrow becomes the next day, and the next day, and and you're right, as as you continue to shift and twist and turn this Rubik's cube, you can't make one shift without changing all of the other pieces that are within the broader construct of of the cube, which is the, the NCAA the NCAA matrix. And you know, at that same time, we're seeing NCAA basketball as an ecosystem change. You know, the the one and done rule several years ago changed a lot of things, but. I almost feel like it's it's almost not even at a one and done anymore. You know, so many of these are what we're seeing is is essentially a semester in, and and I don't think we're ever going to see the the NBA uh, G League. You know, any any type of developmental program rival the NCAA in in terms of interest or engagement, et cetera. But the NCAA, or uh, let me clarify, I don't mean the NCAA institution. I'm talking about college basketball and you know March Madness. I don't think it's it's ever going to take the form of what it did when I was growing up mm-hmm. uh, and much less before me. You know, I, I think we're seeing really a redefining, a reevaluation and, and, and almost a reformation of what college sports, but definitely college basketball. Right. Because, the you know, technically, you know, with college football it has to be three calendar years from the spring that you graduate until you're NFL eligible. Right. College basketball doesn't. Right. And so you're you're seeing also the ripple effect at the pro level. You are seeing guys consistently into the league at 18 years old, uh, which is creating a younger league. Uh, I would say a less mature league. And I don't I don't mean maturity in the sense of, you know, your attitude. I'm saying just physically mature, you know, that the maturation of your skill set as a whole in terms of the game. So the game that we see on the court is changing. The ecosystem and fan base around it is changing. The sponsors are changing. The way the schools operate is changing. I'm not saying this is some get off my lawn angry guy. This is just observational, you know, right, just sure. calling balls and strikes. Like, and that's why I said it's like the Rubik's Cube. You can't have just iconic coaches rotate out and it not change everything else. The recruitment process, who you're targeting, how long they're staying, what, you know, how you have to bait your hook to get them interested, you know, to come to your university. And then obviously, you know, we've talked about from the, from the drop, the, 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 this, the massive sort of Damocles that is, you know, TV revenue. 
Yeah. How do you know? How do they keep the viewer? Because first question you have to ask is who is our viewer? Where are they tuning in from? What are they interested in, and what do they want to see? And so that's why I said Rubik's cube because all of the all of the squares on all of the sides are changing simultaneously in what I think is going to be the you know the college basketball 3.0. And I think that and again is by the time uh, you know, we get to you know, the end of the weekend, uh, by Saturday night, this, you know, this, my next point may be moot, but, uh, I think Kansas state's a great example, a team that was picked to finish last in a very competitive big 12 with a brand new coach who came from, uh, you know, Baylor and coach under Scott drew, uh, leading his team to the, you know, not an upset of Kentucky, but it was, you know, the K state, you know, in terms of the basketball hierarchy is below Kentucky, right. I mean, in the pecking order, uh, even though they were the, the better seed and, uh, and yet they get the win. Um, and really, I think with only a couple of key players that came in from, from last year's team. So I think you're exactly right. I, I do want to talk about, so before well, we have still a few, few minutes here about uh, football, something, a great article I saw about a month ago, and we discussed here on the show, um, you know, the, the, the mega TV money for football hasn't kicked in yet. Like the contracts, the big 10 contracts, especially just signed. It's, it's about to go into effect. It's going to take a couple of years, but already we're seeing a, a, a change of the top 15 highest paid coaches. And I, I know you're aware of this. Uh, in the upcoming season for 2023 of the top 15, 12 are in the big 10 or the sec. So the big money has even the mega money has even jumped in yet. And yet we're already seeing um, a class system of haves and have nots. And by the way, there's a 13th Lincoln Riley out at USC who'll be a part of the big 10 uh, in 2024. So you could say 13 out of 15, only two in the ACC. Um, That's incredible. And I think it speaks to, if we're already seeing it now, what's it going to be like in three or four years? Yeah, you know, and and that's a great point too. And you know, you're you're seeing a, a consolidation of the market uh, to where you went from a series of giants duking it out on you know on the on the athletic battlefield to to gradually what's becoming almost an oligopoly, you know, which is a series of a couple of monopolies. You know, eventually, like Highlander, there can be only one. But you know, the the, the big tape when I was growing up, everything was regional, right? Right. Pac, Pac 12, you know, the Big Ten, the SEC, the ACC, you know, the, the title was almost self-defining in terms of who would be member institutions. And, and I'm, I love Big Ten. I, I love the the cold and the ground and pound and the big house and and the horseshoe and the rivalries and the game. And, you know, and obviously Illinois has, has really put themselves on the map in recent years as well. And, and they're trending in the right direction. But um, golly, brother, I mean, USC, part of the Big Ten. Yeah. Oh, you know, I mean, yeah. make, make that make sense. I, you know, right. I, I, to, I guess to your point, man, you know, we're, we're, I think we're, I think we're already at the oligopoly stage, you know, meaning, you know, we're down to the big 10 and the SDC, you know, that's the steak and potato and everything else is, is, is arguably the garnish uh, on the plate that is, that is college football where that's going to ultimately trend. You know, I, I think to some extent, you know, there was talks, if you remember what, last year, about, you know, <clears throat> the NCAA effectively, you know, performing battlefield triage, you know, do we cut off the arm to save the body? And when they were looking at, you know, potentially imploding financials, uh, as, as the levies broke, there was, there was actually talk and consideration about breaking off college football uh, and, and having it run entirely separate from, from any consideration of the NCAA regulation enforcement. I mean, you know, the bold series arguably already is. But, you know, I, I think that could be a very viable path moving forward. You know, you, you have when you for all the people that, that go chicken little and say, I can't believe coaches are making this much. Well, you know what? Let's let's look at it. Let's 
Let's look at it more from an objective standpoint. When you look what a successful national championship contending coach can do in terms of eyeballs and interest and revenue, you know, driven toward that school, Mm -hmm. then what they make is relative to what they produce. And I would make the argument that, that some coaches are perhaps even underpaid when viewed through the restrictive lens of, okay, I just took my program from 500 to conference champion to in the hunt for the national title. And I have completely revived my booster base. I have completely galvanized our television interests. So we're now on, on TV every Saturday afternoon. Right, I'm right. driving recruiting. I'm driving advertising and sponsorship dollars for the university. Those luxury boxes aren't selling themselves. My W's and title uh, pushes are. And obviously, I'm thinking about you know Jim Harbaugh when I say this. Because yeah. uh, he had a rocky start. But look where the program is now. Right. So, yeah, I mean, again, an, another unintended long answer to a short question, but I, <laughs> I, think, I think thematically all of this ties in. What we're seeing, you know, Larry, is like the, you love the beach as much as I do. When you see a wave start to build out there and it starts to gather, starts to gather long before it you know, gets higher, gets that white cap or crashes, you know, in the surf, uh-huh. this is the beginning of that wave, yeah. you know, and, and as we get closer to it, I think it's only going to get bigger and build up momentum. I, I totally agree. And I think that we're not going to see it this year and maybe not next year, but I think that's where um, if you're the ACC or the PAC 12, um, you're very concerned about your long-term future um, yes. because it's, it's yeah. Okay. The ACC has its contract. They're locked into 2036. They can't get out the grants. I, I get all that. But if you take this, you get to 2028 and if it's already now where, where all the money, all the attention, everything is focused on those two conferences Everyone's going to want in, and I don't see it being enough money to get to you know 14 ACC schools to make it the same as what the ACC or what the SEC or the Big Ten is doing. I think the same for the Pac-12. It's just a matter of time before uh, that goes as well. I hate it. You, like you, I've got a few years on you, but I'm a purist Midwest guy, and and I I like those old Ohio State Michigan battles, and you know, yeah. and then go down and it's a you know it's. Alabama, you know, and, and Auburn and all those, but it's, that's just then. And it's just the way it is. So, Hey, Doug, we are coming up on a break and I know you have things to do. Uh, people don't realize you and I, we get together and not on a radio. We could talk for hours. We've done it so many times before. <laughs> we, so. we, we literally can, man. It, <laughs> we, we never drop the baton. No, no, never. Doug Aldridge. Uh, thanks again for joining us. Um, have a great weekend and let's, let's catch up soon. You too, buddy. It's always great to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. Doug Eldridge, once again, sports agent and publicist out of Washington, D.C. You can see him a lot on Fox Business as well. Uh, You probably, if you recognize the voice, uh, he's that handsome face that joins them uh, several times during the year. Okay, stay with us. We've got a lot to uh, get to right here. We'll pay some bills and back with more after this. You're listening to the Big Sports Radio Network with Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, and Brad Sturdy. Hour number two has tipped off here on Big Sports Radio. Larry Smith, Mike Henkley, Brad Sturdy. Glad you're with us here. As um, hard to believe that uh, this is the, well, the, you know, this, this Saturday is going to be the final Saturday, right, of uh, of March. It'll be April <laughs> next. Already, we've got three months of the year uh, out of the way. And uh, already the Big Ten is done in the tournament. Michigan State, the last uh, team carrying the flag, uh, they fall in overtime, 99-94, Thursday night to three-seed K-State. Uh, Tom Izzo, again, what an amazing run, was trying to add to his already NCAA tournament record of uh, 16 wins over teams that are ranked better than his. Uh, when he beat Marquette last week in round two, he passed the recently retired Jim Beheim of Syracuse for that honor. Would have been number 17, but it was not to be. The Wildcats were too, stu- too uh, just too much, 
and uh, too strong and uh, just too gritty. Let's just face it, as we talked a few minutes ago. And they move on now uh, to face uh, Florida Atlantic. The owls, uh, birds and cats. That's not going to bode well. Animal Kingdom uh, Saturday for the trip to the uh, final four. Tom Izzo talking about uh, this tough season ending loss after the game. Let's listen in. Yeah, at the end, one stop, you know, in that first half when they, you know, those two shot clock ones were real killers. And whoever asked the question, it does break your back. You know, you you think you play pretty good D at loose ball. I mean, he comes flying in and banks it. I mean, and you say, well, it's just one shot. But, you know, I talked to my team in the at the hotel before we left. And uh, you try to talk about the importance of one shot, one turnover, one free throw, you know, and and you can't uh, harp on them because then guys get nervous and uptight, but they're the difference in winning and losing. You know, it's just the way it is. It's it's the sport we're in. It's it's the my bad's got to go away. And we made some some plays that weren't right, but the way those shots went in, and we made some big shots too, but, boy, they hit a couple. The Mashad kid, you know, hit a couple of bombs and – but those, those at least were good shots. The uh, fall down end of the shot clock ones, um, you kind of start thinking it's not your night. And uh, and then when Joey goes to the line and misses the front end of a one-on-one, he's a 91% free throw shooter. You know, those are tough things to overcome, and yet it's sure as hell not their fault. I was proud of AJ, the way he stepped up. I thought, I thought Tyson felt a little pressure um being home and he just wasn't the same early but he bounced back and that yeah, was fun to watch it must have been a hell of a game for tv a hell of a game for the fans i think it you know for me i play for the big 10 too um it's really important to me when you've been in a league 40 years that you love and cherish and you know how good it is and we can't get that another national championship uh even that stuff's on my mind because um, I know how good my league is and I know how good the teams are and the coaches are and yet it never looks good when you don't have a team moving on th- through the Sweet 16. We'll stay in this row. A couple seats over, Jack. Jack Ebling, uh, Spotlight Radio Network and Fox 47. Tom, uh, Judd always used to say more games are lost than won. Is it fair to say that this was a game that Kansas State won, not one that Michigan State lost? Yeah, you know, when, when you have 16 to 2 points off turnovers, you got to give us a little bit of blame and little give them a little bit of credit. But I, I would agree with that. I mean, I I sure as hell am proud of my team, um, even with stuff like that. They just made some incredible shots. And, uh, and you know, we made some good plays. We just, I guess we couldn't stop them. And I, I'm sitting there looking at the stats. And I'm talking about how good they were. You know, they shot 55%, but I think they had, including the layup at the end, I think they had about six laps off of turnovers. They shot 45 from the three, and we thought they made every shot. We shot 52. They shot 68 from the line. We shot 82. We out-rebounded them by seven. You know, we did enough things, too, that we played pretty damn good and should be proud of that. Whenever you lose, you're never proud of anything. And when you have some mistakes that were kind of effort-related, not getting back and things, that's going to it's gonna be hard to watch the film. But I've, uh, I was as proud of this team as many teams I've had that have gone far 
and lost because the way this team, the way they grew the last couple of weeks, um, it was fun to see happen. We'll go across the room on this side. Third row, go ahead. Um, guys took a lot of lumps this year, whether it be the injuries or that tough schedule at the beginning. And then throughout this game, a lot of lumps, down, going down uh, five, heading out of the locker room. Um, but just kept getting off the mat, uh, maybe not this game at the very end. But when you think back about the season, is, is resiliency going to be one of the, the ways to describe this team? Oh, for sure. And I don't know how many lumps, you know, we did have some injuries and we went through some things during the year. But some of the lumps, because no matter what anybody says, top to bottom, uh, you know, I, I have no problem standing up and saying we have the best league in the country. You know, when you have that number of teams uh, beating the hell out of each other every day, I don't think we're worn out from it. I just think you get a bad seed from it. So we had all these teams with seven, eight, and nine seeds. And I'm not saying that was wrong, but that's what happens when uh, I like to see some teams come in and survive this league in the places we play. So, you know, I'm going to become a big Badger fan. I'm going to pull for them in the NIT and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm proud of my team, but I'm proud of the league too. And uh, disappointments, there's disappointments. But uh, I think as a seven seed, maybe we showed how good our league was instead of, like some people say, the other way around. We'll stay in that same row, two seats down. Uh, Jim Comperoni, SpartanMag.com. Tom, uh, your team gave up some back cuts. Uh, it's, it's rare to see a Michigan State team beaten to the rim. W what was going on with that? And I'm sure you were trying to get it corrected as it went along. What did you yeah, I, I think two things. We got caught mesmerized on, on Noel. I mean, he he's a special player, you know, and we actually did a pretty good job on him. When you, when you look at, um, he gets that last one where he would have been six for 18, has 18 points, but he's two for six from the three. It was the assist that, that really killed us on the back cuts. And I think we're mesmerized on him. We did not do a very good job on that. That was one of the disappointments. Um, so, and that's what makes him a great player. It's not only the plays he makes, but the position he puts people in that uh, put you on uh, backpedaling. You know, I, I, I really was disappointed in some of those back cuts because we had really talked about him, the lob at the end. We had talked about out of a timeout. But I think we played so many guys so long, I think we just kind of wore down. You know, we got caught. Mahdi struggled. We got caught with our bigs. And so then we went with Malik and Joey. And um, so now we went smaller, which was okay. But we just kept playing those guys. We hardly gave Tyson and AJ much of a rest. And I, I think that hurt us a little bit too. So blame the coach, not the players on that. We lost a little vision. And that's what happens when you get fatigued. One thing I, I, I think Izzo had you know, some great perspective when you talked about, you know, sometimes it's, you get in these games, you win sometimes with luck. He's had some lucky breaks. They've had some lucky break. You know, they had some lucky breaks, you know, uh, whether it's the, a shot that kind of banking in three or something like that, or, you know, crazy way a ball bounces, things like that. Just, you get some great things that happen in these games. And there's so little margin for error between the two teams. They're so close. It's just something like that can change the outcome. And, um, I thought I thought Izzo, um, you know, was was really I, I I did he wasn't that like upset because he thought my team played well. I I don't know what else we can do. We played well, it just didn't work out. Yeah, he was very proud of his team, and of course, you know, they don't usually shoot forty nine percent from the field and lose, and shoot over fifty from the three point line and lose, and shoot over eighty from the 
free throw stripe and lose. And yet, because of the superior play of Kansas State, who shot almost 56% against a very tough Spartans defense, you know, I mean, it wasn't like the Spartans were giving them tons of open looks. And and ultimately, they did, you know, go down um, uh, to a team that just beat them and deserved a win. It's hard to take anything away from the Wildcats, especially the way Michigan State played. So Michigan State bows out. And uh, as Brad and uh, Mike both talked about, they have got uh, an exciting offseason, even before they reach into the transfer portal with um, all kinds of, uh, of top recruits. And so East Lansing will once again be a, a place we will be watching uh, next winter as we uh, get into the 2023-24 college basketball season. We'll stay with us here. We'll talk some uh, Big Ten football. And how about the, you know, <laughs> the winningest team you ever saw mad about a two-game losing streak? Those Buckeyes of Ohio State getting practice ready in Columbus. So we'll hear from Coach Faye. Coach Day, coming up next. Have you ever met a single person in your life that enjoys paying taxes? No, no one does. If you can't sleep at night because you have a huge problem with the IRS, I've got some free advice for you. This service is strictly limited to individuals that owe the IRS $10,000 or more in back taxes. And if you qualify, we can guarantee that you won't be writing a big fat check to the IRS or our services cost you nothing. The first 100 people that call today will get a free tax consultation worth $500. Stop worrying about your IRS problem. We can help you, we promise. Call the tax doctor right now. I mean right now to learn more. 800-917-8546. 800-917-8546. That's 800-917-8546. My muscles ached. I was tired all the time. My son had a full-blown asthma attack. It came out of nowhere. The unsettling thing about some symptoms is... A fever. Headaches. You don't always know what's causing them. It was Lyme disease from a tick bite. A reaction triggered by cockroach allergens. I had West Nile virus from a mosquito. Threats to your health can come from unexpected places. Mosquitoes, ticks, and cockroaches can make you sick. Get the facts. Visit pestworld.org. Big Sports Radio. Yep, we continue. Larry, Mike, and Brad, as we talked just a moment ago, um, you know, many of you are still looking at those brackets, right? Trying to figure out how you can somehow, you know, piecemeal this thing together to make, get some money in your local office pool. Um, good luck. Um, your bird needs something to put on the bottom of its cage. Uh, and that's that's where your bracket can go. Moving on to spring football. And, um, you know, one of the teams of interest, of course, always is Ohio State. Unusual year that they lose to uh, Michigan, miss out on the Big Ten championship, and then they lose to Georgia in the college football playoff semifinals. And so uh, you've got a fan base that's had to sit on back-to-back season-ending losses um, for the first time, I think, since, you know, I don't know, probably before Ohio Stadium was built, right? So, uh, but uh, Ryan Day talking uh, to the media earlier this week about, uh, about the uh, Scarlet and Gray getting practice started here in the spring. Take a look at the film today with the pads on because when we don't have pads on, it's very difficult. You know, I think guys have to take care of each other, learn how to practice without pads the first two days, but had them on today and there was a lot of good things out there. 
Right behind him, Stephen Means, Cleveland.com. Right. Doing his first three practices, are these guys, other guys in the secondary that have maybe stood out to you, and how do you taper that with also he's got two quarterbacks who are trying to, you know, battle for a starting job? You know, it's hard right now to say who was really standing out, but I think Denzel and Jordan and uh, Davidson's been in there, uh, Jair, they've got their hands on balls. I think just as a group right now, uh, they're they're competing, they're challenging, and um, I don't think we could ask for a better start of, of spring practice coming off the first three days. So uh, we'll see as we get towards the middle. Like I said, you know, I can probably give you a better evaluation as we get closer to the middle of, of spring practice and then towards the end of, of where guys are at, but... I just like their attitude. I like their competitiveness. It's, um, you know, it's 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 you know, a bunch of guys working on the perimeter every day, and that's what we want. We want to be really competitive this spring in everything we do. And uh, as we get going here with the pads, we'll be in more winner loser situations, and that's what we want. Fourth row middle, Pat Murphy, twenty four seven Sports. Ryan, the first day we did this, I asked you about your two transfer defensive backs, Jihad and Davidson. I'm curious now that you've seen them in the building a bit more how they're fitting in, what you like about what they've brought so far. Yeah, I, I think they are fitting in well. I, you know, when you come to Ohio State, you, know, you don't just jump into that locker room and, um, you know, think that you're going to get the respect of the teammates just because you're walking into the locker room. You have to earn it. Um, I think both of them have done that through, um, you know, winter workouts, mat drills, and now into the third day of practice. You know, they, they've, they've worked. Um, you know, I think that, Anytime you're in that type of situation, you have to kind of work your way into it. You know, you kind of um, you're seen before you're heard, um, and they're doing that right now. Uh, again, where does it go into practice seven, eight, nine, ten? We'll see. But uh, but so far, I've been pleased with not only their attitudes but their ability to help us this, this upcoming season. Right next door, Andy Anders, Buckeye Sports Bulletin. Uh, yeah, so obviously a big part of the spring, too, is evaluating uh, Brian Hartline as a play caller. You've talked about you know, putting him in those situations in practice. But when you're evaluating someone as a play caller, how do you go about that? Is it maybe having a – is it like having a cheat sheet of, you know, plays that should be called in certain, certain situations? Is it just letting him call plays and seeing the success of those plays? What is that evaluation process? Yeah, you don't really know until you get into a game how that works. But we're going to try this – um, you know, these next couple of weeks to try to get some game type situations and get that going. But a big part of it right now in the first 10 practices is installing his fundamentals. And then we try to start playing the game more. But, um, you know, when you don't have, you know, red zone in, third down, short yardage, those type of situations in, it's hard to get into those type of game situations. Um, so we'll typically script a lot of what we do. Um, and we're, we're only into day three here. And today was our first day in pads coming off of spring break. So um, we've been pretty basic. We're really working on the fundamentals, you know, hand placement, pad level, those type of things, ball security. And and then as we get into more situational stuff, then we have our our full game plan and we can get into that stuff. So, um, you know, and, and the best you can do is just kind of get out there and call it and just see what, what happens and uh, try to change the situation the best you can. But you don't quite really get a feel for it to hear in the game. You know, it, the interesting thing about this is that it, Ohio State is the like they're like right there. They're just on the cusp of being Georgia and Alabama. They're like that. If you take Georgia and Alabama, they're probably third, right? I mean, they're probably the third program, but they've lost to Michigan twice in a row, so they suck, right? <laughs> in Ohio and Columbus, that's all that matters is that you beat the the maze and and uh blue. So yeah, I, I think it's 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 crazy how it all comes down to that one game each year for them. But I, I think it really does, and it's, it's really, really wild when you think about it.
Well, I think it's hurt um, Ohio State in recruiting, too, because, you know, now all of a sudden the Wolverines have, have got commitments from four um, Ohio recruits this year, including they just got a four-star uh, running back Jordan Marshall uh, out of uh, Moeller High School. You know, everybody's hold, heard of that famous uh, high school. But the thing I thought was really alarming for Ohio State was that Marshall said he went there because of the hard-nosed attitude that Harbaugh creates in terms of putting together a tough running game. And you got a, a big running back who's going to go, you know, past Columbus on his way up to Ann Arbor. Um, it, that's a tough competition those two schools have right now. Yeah, it really is. And uh, with Michigan, as you mentioned, Brad, back-to-back wins over Ohio State, that's as big as anything, um, and kind of helps, um, you know, put a little, you know, salve in the wound of uh, losing to TCU uh, in the college football semifinal. You know, a lot of big moves in the offseason, and none bigger than uh, what happened in Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, to having Matt Rule to take over the program from from Scott Frost, who was fired uh, back in September. Um, you know, Rule comes, you know, with his an, as impressive a resume as any. Didn't get it done with the Panthers, but then again, name five college coaches who go to the NFL and make it happen. It just it never happens. You know, they keep trying it, but it just doesn't happen. Um, he's, you know, his what he's done in the college game is beyond impressive, of course, building Temple and then going down to Baylor and doing his thing there. Now he comes into Nebraska uh, and a place that is starving to return to that championship level of yesteryear. Uh, Coach Rule talking uh, earlier this week about uh, the start of his first practice with the Cornhuskers. For me, it's the first time I've seen, like, these quarterbacks throw a ball. You know, it's the first time I've seen some of these guys, like, I've seen them move, but do football things. Um, You know, practice is kind of chaotic, so I really can't assess much until I go back and watch the tape. But um, I'll just continue to say, like, you know, I don't know how if we're good or not, but we're a very coachable team. Um, And so I I think a lot of it for us right now is about just establishing standards. We want to be a team that, you know, doesn't beat itself. Like, we want to be a team that goes out and executes. Um, And, you know, for me, that's, you know, everyone was in the building by 515. You know, uh, everyone was dressed appropriately. Everyone um, knew their assignments. And so – that's a great start. You know, if we can, if we can establish that basis, that standard of, Hey, we're all going to be on time. We're all going to practice hard. We're all going to know our jobs. Then the town will take over. How the quarterbacks throw the ball? I thought they threw the ball. Well, I thought they threw the ball. Well, you know, um, um, I don't think we did a, uh, you know, we did quarterbacks had individual outs. It was windy and we had the quarterbacks, you know, we're not going to throw very often in the indoor. We're going to, we're going to learn how to throw the ball through the wind. And so um, I thought they threw the ball. Well, um, you know, there's so often, you know, if a, if a play is not quite off, is the receiver at the right depth? So there's a lot of things I have to probably go back and watch. But you can tell we have uh, – that's as talented a quarterback room as I've ever been a part of. Um, you know, so it was good to see those guys out there. Casey doing anything with that? Uh, Casey's not doing anything, right? He, he's not allowed to throw yet. Casey and Logan aren't, aren't throwing yet. No, uh, I, I, if I have my druthers, the academics always comes first, but I'll always be a morning team. This 6 a.m. is not my cup of tea. Um, <laughs> I don't want to make the guys get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I don't think it's great for them. This was so that I could give them the Easter Saturday off. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think Easter is a time that everyone should have off to, to go and be with their family or guys from far away hopefully can get with some of the local families. So to give them Easter Saturday off, I had to do Monday morning. Um, it's, it's a little nerve-wracking having a week off for spring break and then having to go Monday, Tuesday. But uh, the other practices will start about 7.45 to 8 o'clock. 
on Tuesday, Thursdays, Saturdays will start at nine, except for our coaches clinic will be nine 30. Um, but we'll try to practice in the, in the, in the, um, in the mornings in the fall. I just like getting them first thing in the morning. They'll uh, kind of give them a chance then to recover all day and focus on academics. Is, am I crazy in thinking that maybe Nebraska and maybe, maybe Matt rule is going to be the answer is Nebraska kind of like Indiana in basketball. Like, I mean, they, they, they won a lot years ago in a different era back when you could, you know, you had corn fed offensive linemen. You could just hand it off, you know, 50 times a game to those running backs and you didn't have to throw a ball and Tom Osborne. And, you know, I, I just don't know. I mean, because you're going to have to recruit against teams like Alabama and Georgia and, and Michigan and Ohio state to win at Texas, who is, you know, obviously recruiting at a very high level. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know if they can ever be good. Even if they're good for that fan base, I'm not sure they're going to be good enough, if that makes sense. Well, and, and the issue is, is that fan base has very high expectations. And now with a better coach, they've moved even higher. And, and are they realistic? That's the question, you know. And I, I think he's they're, they're expecting a high-flying offense out of him. And I do think it takes time to recruit the linemen that you need to play the different style. you got to have a good quarterback. Um, so there's a lot of pieces he has to put in place. How quickly they come together um, is going gonna, is gonna to determine, you know, that the happiness of that Nebraska fan base because they are rabid. I mean, on, on game day, they've got 13 hours of coverage. You know, when you figure the pregame shows and the postgame shows, that that fan base lives and dies with the Huskers, and Mr. Rule's going to have to get some W's to keep them happy. <laughs> That's right. Hmm. He will rule the roost for quite a while here. See what I did there? Sorry. It's a bad thing. <laughs> Um, but I think it's exciting to see uh, what's go- going on there. You know, Scott Frost is one of those that I think we all could agree, just surprising that that just didn't pan out. I think we all thought with what he had done at Central Florida, he was the answer, but could never put it together. And so now we've got a guy who's, um, you know, his resume pretty impressive. And uh, Brad, to your point, we will see, you know, those, uh, you know, banners in, in Indiana. Um, boy, fantastic uh, lineage. But as we have joked before, with our friends in the Hoosier State, um, look, the kids who were on campus when uh, Keith Smart hit that shot in New Orleans are now planning retirement and playing with their grandkids. I mean, I'm just being honest. I mean, it's yeah. you know, I mean, 1987. It's 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 been a long time. So, so is that the year Mike retired? Yeah, yeah. We're we're gonna party like it's 1987. I think that was a Prince song. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's right. Woo. And there you have it. Luckily, he didn't. He didn't put on the uh, the lace glove uh, to what he did that. So, folks, just the, the visuals. <laughs> thankfully, thankfully, oh, thank God. That's right. All right, much more to come. Stay with us here on Big Sports Radio. You're listening to the Big Sports Radio Network with Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, and Brad Sturdy. Well, as we come back here on the show, uh, we pay homage to. A legend, um, Willis Reed, and whether you're a sports fan or not, you remember the iconic moment where the Hall of Famer uh, comes out on one leg and has a career night to lead the Knicks to, I believe, their last NBA title. Willis Reed uh, passing away this week, guys, at the age of 80. Yeah, that was an amazing moment. Mike can probably tell us more about that um, since he was, you know, for, you know, he was an adult then. Um, I was just a child. You were too, Larry, but you know, Mike was a full blown adult at that time. But no, Willis I gave, Reed. I gave Willis a ride to the game. That was appreciate you doing that. <laughs> Willis was uh 
I mean, what a he was not only was he a great player, he was just that that limping on the court there was such an impactful moment. Like when you everybody talks about that, even to this day. And then the other thing is just a stand-up guy. I mean, you look at historically all the things that everybody nobody has a bad word to say about the man. Yeah, and I thought it was, you know, that'll ever be the forever memory, especially of, of East Coast basketball fans. And I think that game probably stands out uh, even more so than Jordan's flu game as a, as a dominant performance when you didn't think it was possible to happen. And I mean, and again, great guy for that to happen too. And and it was in New York, you know, the, you know, the media center of the world. The so, Mecca. Yeah. And before ESPN, before the internet, before, you know, tickers bombing your screen, before remote controls. I mean, it's, you know, so it's one of those that that's, what's amazing is more than 50 years later, it's still the play, whether you're old enough to remember it or not. So you were around most sports fans know about that. Willis Reed uh, gone uh, at the age of uh, an 80 and um, what a tremendous athlete and person that, that he was um, crazy story in the NIT. And you know what the NIT usually not known for its storylines, right? They're kind of, they kind of operate in the shadows. You look up and go, Oh, wait a minute. There's a final four in the NIT and they're playing tonight. I had no idea because <laughs> Nobody really talks much about him, but Dana Altman guys this week and that loss at home in the NIT quarterfinals to Wisconsin um, coming out with a rant and he just kind of, you know, the, no NCAA games being played. And so he got all the headlines in the middle of the week. It's wild. I mean, they need to, if it's me, then get rid of me. Now, I'm sure that he probably has a nice buyout, so he's probably not too concerned about it, but man, I, it's almost like he's trying to get out of it. And you know, they, uh, I don't know. They're pretty. The thing about I know Oregon. They only had like seven scholarship players. And they've struggled a little bit. But I, he's gone from being a Final Four guy to really struggling to make the dance right now. Even with a guy like you know, he's got a first round pick. You know, for much of the season in Khalil Ware. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, it just hasn't been. It just hasn't been clicking. And you wonder if he's not trying to, you know, get the buyout and move on and try and take a different job. You know, it's a good way to do it. I mean, there's nothing like alienating your fan base so that people don't want to show up to games and they call up the athletic director or different boosters say, we're not going to support this guy anymore. So if that is his plan A, he may be executing it very well. If if that's not his plan, then one wonders why he's even saying what he's saying. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, maybe he's just tired, folks. He didn't get a good night's sleep, and he didn't stay at a Holiday Inn Express. <laughs> there you go. We'll build them for the plug. Um, you're exactly <laughs> right. And and then the thing was, only 3,300 fans showing up uh, in Eugene for this one. Um, so a bit of frustration. Like you said, I mean, this is a guy that his whole career, I mean, he's just been incredible. And, and you know, has had some... Uh, some elite eights, uh, I think a final four in there somewhere, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, I gotta go back and look at his resume, but yeah, been one of the better coaches of the past decade, but um, he has struggled lately. Um, yeah, it's almost like here, you know, slap me down, get, kick me out, I'm ready, put me out of my misery, and um, it's something strange right there. Uh, meanwhile, uh, USA coming up short in world, the world basketball, world basketball, world baseball classic, Japan, the three to win, and again, uh, Otani, um named you know all tournament whatever at two positions gee what what a shocker what a okay that championship game was one of those games that is just it's epic you end up in the last inning with otani pitching and you have mike trout and it's a full count 
three to two game, and he's thrown two hundred mile an hour fastballs and hit one oh two on one of the other ones, but two hundred mile fastballs right down the middle past Trout slider on three two at eighty seven. Just I mean, and those are the two best players probably in the game right there, going head to head to win the world baseball classic. I mean, you couldn't have drawn a better script other than maybe having the bases loaded. Well, and he's throwing the ball 200 miles an hour. That's pretty fast, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you take when you throw an off-speed pitch at 87 and it's 113 miles slower than the other one, that's got to be an adjust. 200 mile an hour fastballs. Oh, well, that's okay. Well, that's a, that's a little that, that, that's a little less impressive. Yeah. Called out for he's not he's not Sid Finch, like <laughs> Okay, there there yeah, there's only one Sid no, uh, uh, Otani, and then I keep hearing now there's there's a new import coming from Japan that may be better bat- baseball player than he is. I mean, is that even fair? <laughs> I don't know how they do it. Yeah, and they're all these two way guys from Japan. How about exactly, that? exactly. Well, it, our problem in the United States is we take them saying you can only pitch or you can only hit. Japan right. Japanese guys can ah, pitch and hit. You know, so I, I want du- I want double the salary. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. It's like it's like having a 26 man on your roster uh, in the majors when you've got a, a guy like that. It was just amazing. And it was such an impressive game. You didn't even notice uh, Enrico Palazzo behind the plate. That's what was really cool um, is that usually Enrico overshadows the game, uh, but he didn't in this. No, too soon. Hello, it's just. It's just yeah, like, it's, oh, it's, it's all, all right. It's I'm all here all week. week. Well, all right. Well, that died. Uh, we will take a oh. break and continue. Oh, much more. And, to up and remember, Larry, it's it's William it, William Shatner's 92nd birthday was this week. So happy birthday, Captain Kirk. Here you go. Important stuff. Packages start at $29.99 a month with signed agreement. Restrictions apply. Speak to a representative for complete offer details. See Vivint.com for license details. Terms and conditions apply. Homeowners, if you're looking for the best in home security and smart home technology at a price you can actually afford, we have great news. Now you can get Vivint's award-winning home security systems starting at about a dollar a day. U.S. News and World Report has recognized Vivint as the best professionally installed home security system of 2022. And right now, you can get Vivint's home security technology for about a dollar a day. Plus, get free professional installation from a licensed technician. Protect your home and loved ones for as low as a dollar a day. Call right now for your free home security consultation. 800-613-8053 That's 800-613-8053 We have not forgotten about the ladies, three teams in the Sweet 16, one of them not Indiana after they were upset by Miami at home. Um, at Assembly Hall and a shocker for the Hoosiers. First Big Ten regular season championship since 1983. Uh, and they don't get a shot to try to take on some of the, uh, the big programs in uh, women's basketball. Uh, three teams in. It is uh, Iowa, a two seed playing on Friday. And then Saturday, um, the other two seed, Maryland in action. And then Ohio State, uh, the three seed taking on second seeded 
UConn and the Huskies, um, you know, once again, maybe not the favorite to win it all, but they're right up there as a two seed. Um, you know, three great matchups, three great programs who had just outstanding seasons uh, this year. No question. I mean, those are it, it. If there is a player on the women's side who is more fun to watch than Caitlin Clark, I don't know who it is. She is she's great. She's kind of the, you know, somebody called her the Steph Curry of uh, of women's basketball. I mean, she shoots it from the logo. She pulls up. She distributes. She can facilitate with dozen assists and or she can score forty. I mean, just a fantastic player. But then you've got Maryland. I, I'll be honest. I really think this Maryland team um, has a chance to to do something. And I and I also like you know Ohio State. You, Connecticut's tough. But Connecticut doesn't have the same – they've got so many injuries and they're so thin compared to what they have been in the past, you know, when it comes to talent. So, you know, these guys have had great seasons, though. The Indiana upset, by the way, the girl from Miami traveled bigger than life in that game to hit the game winner. So I, I don't know how that – I don't know how you missed that, but whatever. Indiana was kind of disappointment, but they had a great season as well. Yeah, a couple a couple of uh, mistakes from uh, you know a couple older players down the stretch was kind of surprising with Indiana. Um, you know, I really look at that that um, Maryland team. You know, and they I think they've got the talent to get past Notre Dame, and they got trunched by South Carolina earlier in the season. So um, South Carolina, if they end up playing Maryland, could come in a little bit relaxed, thinking that you know we kind of we got this. And I think that could be a really exciting game. I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, those two teams match up. And and Iowa, you know, the Hawkeyes are the most fun team to watch because Caitlin Clark does everything, and and she'll even do a little bit of jaw jacking to go along with all of the talent that she has on the court. So uh, the Big Ten is definitely looking good. And Ohio State's got a lot of athletes. So, I mean um, – three opportunities for the big 10 to maybe uh, in women's ball to outperform uh, what the men did or didn't do uh, in their tourney. Well, yeah. you're already three in the sweet 16, right? So they already beat them there. Yes. Um, hey, the other thing about the women's game guys, how about the parody that's starting to emerge other than South Carolina, who's the best team you're, you're seeing one seeds lose on their home court, which I still think it's crazy. They play on their home court. I understand why they do it, but but you're seeing one seeds lose these games early on, which you didn't see in the past. It was always just you get to host those games, you win, you get to the Sweet 16. That's the way it works. We're seeing upsets, and that's what makes it. It's gonna because the game is growing, it's expanding, getting better, and you're gonna see more upsets because there are more girls that are playing at a high level on the basketball side. So kudos. Yeah, I completely agree. And because uh, Stanford was the other team that that knocked yes. out. Um, you're right. Um, uh, by Ole Miss uh, in in their second round games. So I, mean, I agree with you as well that Maryland, I think, because of the huge success of Indiana, because of Iowa and Caitlin Clark always getting attention, Maryland kind of got lost in the shuffle a, a little bit. Uh, Ohio State had the big 19 or no start. Uh, they took a lot of attention and sold. There wasn't much air left in the room for Maryland, but look out for, for the Terrapins. Uh, they've done it before. And, um, you know, they may be a team really to watch here. We'll see what they do here this weekend, starting with uh, on Saturday. Uh, okay. So the men's season is all over um, ex- with the exception, of course, of Wisconsin. We don't want to forget the Badgers in the NIT, that uh, thrilling uh, win at Oregon to reach the NIT semifinals. They're headed to Vegas, the NIT leaving the big apple and going to go on a little journey here uh, for a few years. Um, what a, 
need assignment for the Badgers. Disappointed that they didn't reach the NCAA, but they get a shot to uh, play on and again in the Final Four in the NIT. Uh, but this uh, men's basketball season, um, you know, what are your takeaways? What do we learn and, and what should we expect here in the offseason as we look toward uh, next fall? Well, it is so hard to judge. I, I saw somebody putting out a bracketology for next year. It's like, what, what kind of idiot does that? I'm not trying to be mean here. One, this year isn't over. Two, you have no idea who's going to be on what team. There are going to be another 500 kids go into the portal over the next few weeks. And then you've got all these kids that are with the coaching changes, people getting letters of intent and getting out of those and going to a different school. It's just, there's no way you can even predict. Here's what you know. Some guys win, some guys lose. The coaches that win are probably going to keep winning. The coaches that lose are probably going to keep losing. And that's the way it is in, in college basketball more than anything else because the good coaches are going to find the guys they need to win enough games to make the NCAA tournament. Tom Izzo has the number one recruiting class. He's going to have to mesh them together with his returning players. I think that's going to be interesting to watch um, as we kind of go through this process. But if Zach Eady comes back for Purdue, they're going to be good. And all those freshmen that struggled this year at Purdue, and people are going to write them off, well, they lost to the 16. Remember what happened to the last team that lost to a 16 seed in the first round? Does anyone remember? They won the national title the next oh, year, right? right? Yeah. So Purdue, I'm not saying they're going to win the national title. I'm saying if Zach Eady comes back, those freshmen are going to become sophomores. Now they have some experience. They're not afraid to maybe make those plays or take those shots, and they're going to get better. And Matt Painter's pretty good. So I think they'll be okay. You know, Brad Underwood's going to retool that roster at Illinois, and they're going to be good. Um, go down the list. I mean, the guys that win are going to keep winning, um, and the guys that lose are going to probably keep losing. Yeah, there's a, the, the the portal makes things so crazy. And then uh, also, who's going to go to the NBA? Um, you know, so like in the olden days, you would be really licking your chops as an Ohio State fan to see all these guys come back next year for their sophomore year and see what they can do. But there's going to be guys who are going to go to the pros. Um, you, you have no idea, you know, um, you know, you have a lot of these teams that are going to that are going to be looking at, at the portal to fill key positions. And until you see who they're going to uh, fill the holes with. But then the other thing that Brad mentioned is, you know, you could have a key player go into the portal in early May. And so everything looks great. And then all of a sudden you've got a hole to fill and you don't have a lot of time to do it. Um, I, I can see why these coaches don't like the portal. And I can certainly understand why guys like, you know, Shashevsky and, and Roy Williams decided, you know, it's maybe better to just watch this, watch this show from the stands as opposed to being on the sideline. <laughs> and I want to get in one more question before we go here in the in the next minute. Um, what does the Big Ten do about the referee, uh, Brad? I know you said in Chicago you saw some Big Ten officials um, really watching the calls and taking a lot of copious notes, really intently on this. We've been talking that really you have a play call here and there, but for the most part, this has been an incredibly well-officiated NCAA tournament. What can the Big Ten take, the lessons they can take from that tournament and put it into what we see in the Big Ten night in, night out, and, of course, uh, in a postseason affair? And I think, yeah, I, they have to do something because you have to be more like the other conferences. I mean, you watch the ACC, the Big 12, and the SEC. 
you can't tell me that there's that much more physical player talent on those teams or coaching talent. What you have is a different game. You don't see games that are, you know, 40 to 39. You know, you don't see the rock fights. And that's the whole thing. Like, it doesn't need to be basket brawl. It should be basketball. And they have to find a way to get away from that and to make it a more – and some of – you know, you look at it – I think it was – Brad Underwood this year at Illinois tried to have a team that was a little bit more kind of athletic, but they didn't have a guard. So, you know, it played smaller, and it just – it doesn't look right sometimes. Even It still becomes a rock fight because of the way the game's officiated. So you ha- they have to change the way the game's officiated in the Big Ten if they want to be uh, it, – because it's not aesthetically pleasing. There's just no other way to say it. It's not aesthetically pleasing like we're seeing in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I, I got to be honest with you. Watching the NCAA games was a, was a breath of fresh air. You know, we didn't see 40 fouls or 40 free throw shots. Um, the game players could get into a groove and go, you know, get both ends of the court and go back and forth. Um, you just didn't see that in the Big Ten season because it was, you know, foul, shoot some free throws, go back to the other end, foul, you know, and it just, it, it there's no rhythm to the game. And and certainly, um, I think if, you, if I was a player, I would want to go where I can showcase my skills and other leagues may not be as good or as well coached but I can get on the screen and not worry about, you know, getting Malachi crunched when I went down the lane, you know, and, and you look at, you know, a couple of years back, IO fish, finishes the season in a face mask and, and that type of play is the type of stuff that I'd, I'd rather go somewhere else and play. And, it, and I think that recruits look at that and, and the big 10 needs to figure out how they make their refs. Um, have expectations closer to the refs of the tournament. Yeah. What's sad is though they're the same guys, Mike. Think about that. They're the same guys. So there is something about the Big Ten because the officials go and work with guys from other conferences and they do a better job. Yep. So why is that? I I it doesn't make sense because I know they're not telling them to make it a rock fight. I think that well, I shouldn't say that. I don't know that. I know the coaches don't want it to be a rock fight, right? I mean, I think that they'd rather have a more fluid game. Somebody is telling them to officiate a certain way, and it isn't. It doesn't work. Well, well, something something is happening. They need to identify what it is because the if you're getting one point three billion dollars, you you need a better TV product than, and it has to be. But besides great coaching and great players, it has to be reffed by the equivalent um, of that. And and both in football and basketball this year, there was a lot of of really challenging calls. And we're back with more after this. Are you tired of your website making your business look bad? Is your current web developer dropping the ball? Let's face it, if your website isn't making you money, it's broken. Let Neon Rain create a website that turns your visitors into customers. Neon Rain has worked with hundreds of businesses across North America, building custom websites and applications with modern designs that are easy to update and work well on mobile devices. They can do it for you too. What sets Neon Rain apart? They actually deliver on their promises. Call today for a free consultation, 303-957-3092. That's Neon Rain at 303-957-3092. Or visit them at neonrain.com. Paramedic, firefighter, police officer. Different job titles, one common goal. To keep communities safe. 
They all risk their lives every day responding to emergencies. Just because they accept their jobs can be hazardous doesn't mean they have to be. Is your workplace safe for everyone? Learn more about the Put Yourself in Our Boots campaign at ourboots.ca. This message brought to you by the John Petropolis Memorial Fund. You're listening to the Big Sports Radio Network with Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, and Brad Sturdy. Well, let's see. You know, we had uh, the last dance with uh, Michael Jordan coming out. Derek Jeter did hit his thing. Uh, it was pretty good as well. Here comes Reggie Jackson with the documentary coming out here on Amazon Prime. I wonder who he'll talk about more than anybody else. <laughs> I'm going to guess he talks about Reggie, right? <laughs> Maybe his candy bar. So, uh, you know, remember the candy bar? Reggie candy bar. Best candy bar. Can you imagine if I interviewed Reggie? Nobody would say we, we couldn't get a word in edgewise on each other. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. He was, a, I tell you what, I go back though, back when uh, Mike was a, you know, but uh, you know, about 30, he got the chance to, in his prime of his life, he got to watch Reggie um, hit three home runs in that, in that world series game. Just epic. I remember that. I mean, you know, oh. I, I remember that. And you know, it's so much, he was just, he was Mr. October at the time. Right. I mean, just, you, the romanticized New York Yankees as well. So everything you could ask for. And of course he was even better probably with the, with the ace before that. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you what, the interesting thing is that, that three, that three home run game along with Len Swan's acrobatic catch um, in the Super Bowl, Those are the moments that you remember as a kid, they just stand out to you. But what I thought was really funny is when Reggie was being uh, interviewed by USA Today Sports, he said, it's time where I can be open and free and not worry about saying something. You can't stop me now. And I thought, who stopped you then? It's, it's, you've, you've never been un, or not candid. You know, um, just I, I just thought that was funny. But um, it, Lord knows this will be uh, really entertaining. It may not be. I, I'm trying to figure out how old we'll have to be to watch it. <laughs> I, I saw that quote too in the, uh, the USA Today article, which, by the way, misspelled Julius Irving. <laughs> well, it's a tough word to spell, Larry. Yeah, it, no relation to Kyrie. Come Everybody on. <laughs> spells it a little differently. <laughs> It's just so bad. But I remember back early in my career, I was down at uh, West Palm Beach and the Expos at the time and Brave shared a stadium. We're in the Expos uh, having media dining before the game. And I heard this guy saying, when I played, I was like Coke. I was a real thing. And we turned around and Reggie Jackson's walking in. I went, oh, my God, at a spring training game, just as a spectator, you're still talking about yourself. <laughs> so it was. I got to love Reggie. He does. Oh. Exactly. <laughs> this will be entertaining, uh, without a doubt. It debuted earlier this week on Amazon Prime. So, uh, uh, yeah, you got a couple hours, uh, you know, before you start watching basketball. Dig in. I'm sure it won't disappoint. Uh, speaking of the Yankees, no surprise here. Forbes list coming out. Their value, $7 billion. That's pretty good. I mean, $7.1 billion for a baseball team. I mean, it's kind of crazy, isn't it? You know, and that's the thing. Like, the one thing that you know, people always talk about, well, I made a really good investment here, there, the other. But the reality is that investing in professional sports teams seems to be the best investment. They just keep going up in value over and over. Yeah. And, and they are, they are actually over, um, you know, they're, they're basically almost double number two. It's amazing what they have done to take 
you know, control of the major league baseball and actually start pushing that gap further and further. Well, and to your Mike, I agree. And then Brad, to your point, we talked last week about Michael Jordan looking to sell his majority stake in, in the Charlotte Hornets, um, which he paid 275 million for. Um, I mean, it's not out of the question that, that he may make 10 times that on this deal, but what he sells this summer, I mean, that's just, you know, in what, in, in a decade, 12 years. Yeah. I mean, it's, like you said, incredible return on investment. I mean, it's unbelievable. You know? <laughs> well, but it's more important, Brad, that he can make ends meet because with inflation, those grocery bills are a little higher than they've been. Well, and he that. can't sell his house still. We've yeah, yeah exactly. That, so. Exactly. Again, we, we think we need Shea sturdy. Um, maybe you can make him an offer, Brad. I may this. have to. I mean, well, yeah. since he just made a bunch of money, maybe give me a good deal. What? Exactly. Just unload it. Just so you, you know, no more property tax of that. Thing. I'll Just, give you a hundred grand for it. <laughs> cash. <laughs> We're all moving in. <laughs> Who's got basketball court? I got next. Um, Brad, you brought up a great point as we were talking about the the Forbes list here in the commercial break. Um, in terms of some of these small market teams, what they're doing to really line their pockets with all this, you know, the revenue share uh, and the luxury tax money coming in. Yeah, I mean, you look at teams like Oakland who's the small market, you know, Seattle small market. They are the biggest earners in 2022. Oakland made 62.2 million. The uh, Seattle Mariners made 83.8 million in a year. To me, that's just insane. When you think about they're not spending the money on players and they're making all kinds of profit, which kind of, man, if I'm a fan of one of those places, I'm, I'm not real happy about that. Yeah. I got to be honest with you. You need a threshold as much, as anything else, because you you know the the fans are the ones who are footing this bill, and I got to be honest with you, if I see a report like that, you know there better not be a dime of my money going for tax breaks for an owner who's not going to try to put the be- at least a decent product on the field. Well, especially when these teams then flee cities for you know all the tax breaks for stadiums. Now we know the big money guys, uh, you know Arthur Blank and and Stan. Cronky are getting these deals made with their own money, and therefore they're collecting the lion's share of every event held at those venues. That's another story. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It's one of those that, um, you know, <laughs> kind of sick, you know. But then again, you do that for a few years and then you sell it for an inflated price because even the Oakley, Oakland A small market still would make uh, a ton of money on uh, on the open market if they were to sell that team. So maybe not $7 billion, but they make a lot of money. Hey, guys, we will leave it there. Two hours has gone by too fast. Uh, Once again, we appreciate everybody coming by. Enjoy the games. uh, Enjoy the weekend. And we're right back here talking Final Four and spring football. (laughs) It is already on the way. We'll talk about that as well next week. Take care. We'll see you. This has been a presentation of LMBC Sports LLC and Revision Sound. We'll be back next week on Big Sports Radio Network.